Welcome to The Thing About Austin, a podcast about Jane Austen's world. I'm Zan. And I'm Diane. And this episode, we are talking about the depiction of Roma in Emma. We are so excited to welcome our guest for this episode, Amanda Ray Prescott. Amanda Ray is a Black and multiracial freelance entertainment journalist whose specialty is tracking UK TV with an eye to racial diversity discourse. She currently contributes to Den of Geek US, GBH Drama Club, Doctor Who Magazine, and has appeared on several podcasts. Most recently, she has published articles on Mr. Malcolm's List, Persuasion 2022, and Racism in Austin Fandom. A well-known thought leader on diverse casting in period dramas, Amanda Ray has presented on the subject multiple times, including What's Next for Period Drama at Exeter University and Conversations with Regency Period Drama Friends, Reframing the Historical Accuracy Discussion in Support of Racial Diversity at this year's Virtual JaneCon. Welcome, Amanda Ray. Hello, nice to talk to you all today. We are so excited to get to chat with you. We are starting with the text of Emma. And after the night of the ball in Highbury, Harriet Smith and her friend are walking through a shaded part of the road about half of a mile away from Highbury. Along the road, they encounter a group of people that Austin identifies as the G-word slur for Roma or Romani people. Harriet's friend screams and runs away, while Harriet gets a leg cramp and can't scrabble up the same embankment. So this is the passage from the text. How the trampers might have behaved, had the young ladies been more courageous, must be doubtful. But such an invitation for attack could not be resisted. And Harriet was soon assailed by a half-dozen children, headed by a stout woman and a great boy, all clamorous and impertinent in look, though not absolutely in word. More and more frightened, she immediately promised them money, and taking out her purse, gave them a shilling, and begged them not to want more, or to use her ill. She was then able to walk, though but slowly, and was moving away. But her terror and her purse were too tempting, and she was followed, or rather surrounded, by the whole gang, demanding more. In this state, Frank Churchill had found her. She, trembling and conditioning, they, loud and insolent. So to begin this conversation, Amanda Ray, can you talk to us about the Roma people and what life was like for them in England during this time, particularly in a rural community like Highbury? What people refer to as the Roma actually is several ethnic groups. The most common that people were into Austin or other English period dramas or classic literature will come up across will be your Roma who are the descendants of the nomadic folks from India. Then you also have your Irish travelers who are descended from a Celtic nomadic tribe. There's also different culture traditions, different language groups within those two groups. This is a simplified version of what we're commonly referred to in not just Emma, but in other English works, literature, history. Now, during the Regency era, the Roma were stigmatized in multiple ways, both socially and financially and economically. There were laws against giving them charitable works. There were laws that restricted their freedom of movement because, again, since they are nomadic people, they did not have one set location. So what used to happen in Regency era in particular, the law that allowed landowners to 
enclose or fence their land was not enacted until 1857. But during the Regency era, you saw the beginning of the trend where landowners would fence off public or unclean land for their own economic purposes, which means nomadic folks would not be able to set up a temporary camp. They would restrict water and use access to water sources, access to grazing land, because again, many of the Roma had animals with them. They had horses, they had sheep, goat, you know, I mean, your, your average farm animals, you know? Right. So this is why I think in Austin's day, since a lot of her books are about property and about people's economic status, the Roma would be seen as a quote-unquote dangerous other because they didn't settle down in one place. They had older traditions or different traditions, and the only way they could access quote-unquote good societies is if they gave up everything about their culture, about their way of life. It was pretty much forced assimilation. In earlier eras, they even went as far as forced baptism of Roma children. So we're talking hundreds of years of negative stereotypes and racialization. And today, this situation, there is still discrimination against the Roma people, but now they've been together in the UK and their, their version of the, our civil rights legislation has them down as a protected ethnic group. This doesn't mean there isn't discrimination of all kinds still, but it's just sort of something, it was not a new thing to Austin. We're talking, this was something that was happening for hundreds of years. So because it's such a negative depiction here, they are perceived as a threat to young women and a group that needs to be run off from Highbury. Why do you think Austin includes this subplot in her story? Why is this scene particularly so problematic? It's problematic because the thing is, even if you want to assume person era saw the Roma as people to be respected, they didn't see them as holding an equal place in society compared to your average white person. And I say white specifically because in this era, as we all know, like people of color at this point probably couldn't vote because voting at this point in England was tied to land ownership and not just else too. Obviously, at this point, only men could vote. And that was the other thing too. Their lack of land ownership exiled them from any part of the political process. Again, it's not like today where anybody over the age of a certain age can vote. Back then, it was explicitly tied to how much land or property you had. So what I think Austin, even in the best circumstances, Austin was trying to mock the way people treated the Roma. It's still problematic because if you wanted people to see a different side of the group, how is it you're depicting them as quote-unquote highway robbers? Because some of the adaptations lean into that. It's not just kids who are curious, like, oh, there's somebody who looks different. Let me go, like, you know, look and talk. And, you know, it, it's definitely a scene of aggression. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of the same kind of thing you hear today about people, about the homeless, about other people of color. Like, this is a sort of this association with crime and negativity. And that's a racist statement, if you think about it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and and, and as you were saying, you know, that, that she does particularly couch this. She uses the word attack very specifically. Well, and it's it's specifically noted in the text that Mr. Knightley, who is a local magistrate, you know, so in this position of legal authority, he has given, quote, notice of there being such a set of people in the neighborhood. So it's sort of like, oh, we need to notify Mr. Knightley, the person who's in charge to 
heavy air quotes here, like take care of the situation. Yeah. And 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 there's actually the scene after this where where we see the spread of the news in, you know, just a matter of hours, all of Highbury knows that there was this incident, that the Roma are outside of Highbury. They're not even in the town. They are outside of Highbury. But it becomes it becomes kind of this they're all feeding into this like problematic frenzy. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're making it a frenzy. And then, yeah, calling for the magistrate and making sure that this is the fear mongering that goes on here in this scene. It escalates so very quickly. So some of the adaptations have handled the scene differently. Emma 2020 takes out the attack. They still use the G slur, but then it's more Harriet talking to one of the kids or some of the members of the group. And it's more about her possibly giving them money. Like, for example, today, if you saw somebody, you know, as you were walking and you asking for like a dollar or something and you gave it to them, nobody's criminalizing you for that. But just giving somebody a coin who was Romo, that could have ended you in legal trouble. So that scene, of course, I don't think Emma 2020 kind of shows the entire depth of the situation. I feel like you were somewhat aware of the problematic racial stereotypes, but at the same time, or even communicate to the audience like what this meant in this world. Other adaptations have depicted the actual attack. It's particular of Emma 1996, the movie with Greta Paltrow. They're walking, they're walking in the forest, and then all of a sudden you see the kids and the teenagers come out of the bushes out of nowhere. It's definitely played off like the highwayman attacks. Mm. Even though they're on foot, the high, it's kind of like that kind of imagery. I also believe that miniseries as well, it was depicted as an attack and slurs also used. So there are all many of these adaptations that fed into this concept of criminalizing the other and also too, in a sense, criminalizing poverty. And I would imagine as well, there's always that fear that if a crime happens in the area that you know that you're going to be at a high likelihood for being wrongfully accused. Mm -hmm. A group of Roma living in the area probably know that they are going to be blamed for it, even if they had absolutely nothing to do with it. Yeah, it's the classic scapegoating theory. Like you're gonna blame the you're gonna blame the people you quote believe are always likely to become. I'd argue in this era, um, I, a lot of honestly, most of those criminals were what we can describe as white folks, not Roma, because many because again, class differences and the like. You you could tell most likely people would get away with those crimes were not were not minorities. Well, and if you were like really, really up there in the social strata, i.e. you were a lord, you could really just do whatever you wanted to because you would just get tried by your peers. You wouldn't even have to worry about getting arrested and having a trial like a regular person. You just get your trial in the House of Lords with the... With all your buddies. Yeah, with all your buddies from the men's club, basically. Yeah. Well, I think too, when when you even even if you like really explicate the scene that we mentioned at the top of the episode, there's nothing actually criminal that's that's even happening here. This is Harriet who's frightened, and it's talking about you know she gives them some money, you know, and and it's like because I'm looking at it, it's like they are impertinent in look though not absolutely in words. So she's going purely off of appearances that there's something going on here. That she gives them some money, she walks away, and then more people are asking her for money. And then she is the one who's perceiving terror and threat. And yet it's immediately taken up as Harriet's been attacked. Go call the magistrate, run them off. 
And so what you're describing, Amanda Ray, makes a lot of sense in terms of just it's the prejudice, it's the fact that they are even, even just there. It doesn't matter that there was no actual harm done. Because even I think even in the in the film adaptations, oftentimes, you know, we, we know that Harriet has like a leg cramp, and yet it's kind of implied that she is hurt because of the Roma, that she's being carried into the scenes. There's an implication that she is physically harmed by the Roma. Yeah. yeah. That she has like sprained her ankle because she was being chased. Because she was being chased or pushed down or something. And that's not what happens. Yeah, this is, this again, I think, especially as a person of color in America, I think it sort of sounds kind of, to me, the parallels with the way people in our society view people who are houseless and are struggling economically or have an, uh, who have mental illness or issues how people are criminalized just for looking at somebody. And also the other implication is these are racialized others and how the history of white women accusing like that, all of those layers and thinking about, you know, in history of the United States, like Emmett Till and all of lynching in the South, just because somebody claimed a personal color was threatening to them. All that history goes right back to this, to think about it. And I think the fact that a lot of these modern adaptations have leaned in implying way more than what Austin said is just in reinforcing negative stereotypes. Yeah. So at the end of this scene in the novel, Austin then tells us that the Roma move on quickly after the encounter. And in reality, the reason why they move on is because they're essentially forced out of Highbury. And then this event quickly becomes fodder for a kind of almost fantastical storytelling opportunity for Emma and her nephews. So can you talk to us a little bit about the tension in this depiction between this seemingly threatening presence, as it is perceived by these characters, but also an exoticized group that is used for entertainment? In the late 19th and or into 20th centuries, the rise of the traveling circus and other things, Roma folks were often working those traveling shows. The quote unquote freak shows. A lot of the a lot of that was just people who were not allowed to do other things making inroads in the entertainment industry at a time at a time when there wasn't a lot of regulation or legal oversight. So what exists even in maybe at times a legal gray area, because it's one thing, because also too, obviously people figured out I might get in trouble if I stay somewhere too long, but if I have a show where I you know I could stay here for a weekend and move on. So the ties between the community and the seed as entertainment can in later eras. You can see where the beginnings of this begin. And also it's making Frank Churchill look more of a hero than as he is in the earlier parts of the novel. Not every adaptation leans into the whole after effects of this, but beginnings of the later stereotyping kind of be, you can see where it's starting that experience of it's kind of like when people today come and like brag about going to like quote exotic locales mm -hmm. elsewhere in the world you know mm -hmm. it's the same sort of exotization and fetishization of the other well and, and i think even the way that it's presented because it does become kind of this like the young nephews are like tell us the story of harriet's encounter it becomes something that for the children it becomes something that's ostensibly supposed to be entertainment, but then it is also at the same time very much so reinforcing the stereotypes, but in the guise of a fairy tale, which is really troubling um, in terms of just kind of perpetuating 
this incredible othering. If you think about it, it's their version of the Big Bad Wolf. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Little Red Riding Hood and the Big Bad Wolf. Yeah. Well, I was thinking too that it's, you know, that this is to her young nephews, which are, again, potentially like the next leaders in communities. The next magistrate. The next magistrates. Yeah. And they're, and they're being told mm-hmm. these stories in a way that will just reinforce and perpetuate the problem rather than undoing any kind of stereotypes here. Exactly. So this sort of depiction of Roma in early 19th century novel is unfortunately not uncommon, though not excusable to be very clear. But it's another thing entirely to have a depiction like this in the late 20th and early 21st century. And since you do a lot of work with film and television adaptations, can you tell us a bit more about how you see Roma being depicted in period dramas, whether that's in Emma or other pieces from around these eras? First of all, something that listeners to the podcast will be aware of, Roma in Eastern Europe were targeted by Hitler and many died in the concentration camps. The Roma in Eastern Europe have their own word for Holocaust. They have a term for it. It was a genocide. In the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum, there's a whole section devoted to the Roma victims of the Holocaust. This is why later 20th century native depiction of Roma is so problematic, because we have the records from Hitler's era of how they how they viewed the Roma as people they believe were not worth living. That's why it's a form of racism that we kind of need to confront in pure genres. I mean, it has improved in some aspects because there are productions now, the more recent productions outside of Austin that have tried to at least show that historical racism and discrimination was wrong. But if there's going to be another Emma that maybe not having that scene at all or reframing it as just Harriet talking to some kids, it kind of relates back to how Sort of like how people excuse Georgia Hayer's anti-Semitism. Mm. It's kind of, this is another thing, it's kind of interesting here. Like, we all have to kind of confront the biases that Elson has, and right. this is one of them. Yeah. yeah. In terms of other period dramas, I'm sure there's examples I'm leaving out mostly because of just not having seen them. But recently, outside of Austin's face, we have depictions of Roma in All Creatures Great and Small, the new series. James Harriet's original text did use the G word, but not necessarily in a, he was describing them as just a group of people who were traveling around the farms and they were different than him, but he noticed he, he was sort of, his goal in depicting them essentially was like, they may not be like me or the other farmers in Yorkshire, but they cared about their animals. They were, they were interested in family. They just, you know, had a different lifestyle. And then the new series kind of continues on with that notion. They don't use the term at all. They call them travelers or something else. And the scene is just mostly about how much one woman really loves her dog or finds a stray dog. And that sort of, their the bond between animal and human kind of transcends the cultural difference. And that's how the scene played out. Now, in the older series that is actually hanging around BritBox, you do see they do use the term. It's a little bit messier with containing that message, but it's a good example of how a adaptation based on an older work where he's depicting that or that world where, again, people may not have known what was going on in Europe at the time. And activism, post-war activism on the Roma community is still like gaining momentum. So... It's a good example of like, how to handle that in terms of period depiction. On the other hand, you have some of the crime dramas depicting English country life, touching on that subject with varying degrees of success. 
more recently, I would say Ranchester and Father Brown, because they're both two different takes on 1950s rural England. Right. But they both have depicted Roma communities or fire travelers. And in some of the plots, it's either they're the victims of crime or falsely accused of crime because, again, there are other, in uh, Grantchester's case, Sydney Chambers, the main character, kind of runs off there because he's angry about his girlfriend breaking up with him. He needs to leave the end of the drama because he's mad that his girlfriend broke up with him. It's kind of really, really random, but also it's still in a weird way enforcing that kind of, like, you live a different kind of life than we do, mm-hmm. sort of thing. So, yeah, and the crime dramas are always often, with period drama, they're all they're often have to toe that line of depicting historical stereotypes, but also avoiding modern stereotypes at the same time. So, mm. you're on there, the crime drama is always on that knife edge. Right. And I, actually sometimes, that's why I kind of prefer sometimes the crime dramas, because they also have a lot of room to fix, like, they have more room to fix the mistakes of the past sure because some of them are very very loosely based on books and others are you know they have more flexibility because they're just writing different situations different weeks so there's more creative license there yeah yeah that makes sense not a crime drama not a period job at all actually his dark materials they have in the original it's a fantasy alternate universe england but they have folks that they called Egyptians. At one point, Roma were called Egyptians because many believed falsely they came from Egypt or Africa in general. So the Egyptians are a separate ethnic and cultural group in this universe. And in the new series, what they've done was consult with the Roma community in England on depiction, making sure they're avoiding stereotyping. There's also sort of a political thing within their world that they are not affiliated with the ruling government at the time because it's this a whole allegory between church and and academia and religion. It's it's, it's explaining the world of his art materials is too much to get into here, but <laughs> basically a positive depiction of Roma as a community, not necessarily defined by race either, because they have actors of color and white actors equally also playing they're all playing Egyptian characters. So and there's some little tensions here, but again, it was bad. the production was praised for their ability to from the past in terms of negative stereotypes. Yeah, having actual cultural sensitivity. And I, and I like, as you mentioned, consulting. I think that that's an incredible example of the way that this... Should go. That this should go, exactly, every time. Yeah. Well, Amanda Ray, thank you so much for joining us. Where can our listeners find you online and learn more about you and your work? Sure. Thank you so much for this. I This is a topic that's come up frequently in Austin fandom, but I feel like there wasn't enough of a conversation after Emma 2020, mm. so I was excited to talk about this today. I love listening to your podcast because I always like finding out like deep dive information on things I didn't have to consider when I was reading or watching these adaptations. So thank you. Most of the time I hang out on Twitter at Amanda R. Prescott. I have a blue check, so it's easy to find me. <laughs> I have my portfolio website because I'm a freelancer, I dance around from publication to publication. Um, I have all my most recent activity on my website, amandarayprescott.com. Thank you so much, Amanda Ray. It's been a delight to talk with you. You're welcome. Thank you again to Amanda Ray Prescott for joining us for today's discussion. You can find us on Instagram at the thing about Austin and on Twitter at Austin underscore things. You can also check out our website, thethingaboutaustin.com, 
and email us at thethingaboutaustin at gmail.com. And stay tuned for our next episode where we will be talking about the Meriton Assembly. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.